Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unbroken Soul podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Joy, and my mission is to help dissolve the protected armor created from trauma. We all have trauma. I am a mom, wife, entrepreneur turned trauma survivor, light worker, speaker, and woman's soul coach. I live with passion and intensity and have found my life's purpose through my own healing journey. I have sat in the shadows, wept from the depths of my soul, rose from the ashes and danced alongside the phoenix. My greatest wish is that this podcast offers you insights, real life stories, and tools to help guide you back into a space of remembering your unbroken soul. Let's get started. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Unbroken Soul podcast. Today, I'm so excited to be bringing my dear friend, Christy, onto the show. Christy found her passion in the past five years by mentoring and leading people towards hitting their goals, sharing her past stories in a way that helped people see that no matter how dark the sky is, there is always light behind the clouds. She shares from her own life experiences and challenges to help others see that they truly can accomplish anything they have their hearts set on with hard work and determination. She spends her downtime working on her passion project, helping to lead people to achieve the goals they've set for themselves through her online website as your real accountability partner. Welcome, Christy. Hi. Thank you, Amanda. I'm really, really happy and honored to be here today. Thank you so much for reaching out and, and asking me to join you for this little conversation, as you put it. Yeah, and that's exactly what it is. I, it's just a great time just to connect and share our stories with the world. Um, I like to introduce our guests, and if I know them on a personal level, then I like to just let them know how we met. So, you and I um, were introduced by a dear mutual friend, Kathy yeah. Stang, which I would, you know, she'll be listening and, you know, we'll, sure you we'll send a few kudos up to Trent as well, because, you know, yeah. <laughs> he's important too. Be awesome, Trent. <laughs> yeah, right? And so when Kathy brought us together, I remember it was a party at her home and she had kind of given me a little preempt into who you were. And she just said, you and Christy are going to hit it off. Like, not only will you hit it off with personalities, but there's a connection. And not that our stories are the same, but yet she just knew that there would just be this vibe that was there with us. And so bless her heart for doing that and yeah. for bringing us together. And then from there, the beautiful thing is when people are introduced, it's like the universe just keeps weaving the lives together. And so, although we met through Kathy, we haven't really seen each other with Kathy since then. No. But we've managed to stay in touch aside from that. And so I'm really grateful for that, that our um, friendship has continued aside from that and to watch you grow and evolve as I continue to grow and evolve too. So it's been really cool watching you for sure, Amanda. And, and I know exactly what you're, you're about you that she told you about me. It's that we had different stories, but she knew that we would connect. And, and she was certainly definitely on the mark that night for sure. And it has been, like you said, strange that we keep finding each other in strange places that we don't expect each other to be. And yet the connections have been, have been deep. You're, 
you're obviously a very soulful person and I, I tend to resonate towards that. I have a hard time um, talking about weather and, you know, small talk. I don't do small talk really good. I'm afraid I, I give, hey, how are you? Uh, tell me your deepest, darkest secret. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> And that's exactly why we're here, right? Is the, the, the premise of my podcast is like, just show up, tell the truth, be honest and be vulnerable. You know, we're not here for the surface. We're here for the deep. It's time to be real. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your journey that's brought you here today. And yeah, just where it feels good for you to start from. Wow, that's a that's a big ask because where it feels good for me to start from, we could be here for days, but I fast <laughs> forward a bit. I know the, the, the main thing, you know, you, you talk about your journey through grief and trauma and, and the experiences that you've had. And, and I think that's what Kathy was thinking when she connected the two of us is that we have both seen grief up close and, um, and in my mind, not typical grief of losing a grandparent or an elderly person or somebody who has, you know, done their own journey towards the end but somebody who you would never expect would be out of your life instantly overnight mm -hmm. um, my journey unfortunately was long um some people will lose somebody instantly and have a long long journey ahead of them to deal with the grief and the trauma that it leaves um i don't know if it's fortunate or unfortunate for me but i ended up in a situation where it was um, death of young friends, one after the other, after the other, after the other, for a total of eight people within about two and a half years. Wow. And this, this started at my, I was 19 at the, at the time of the first death that occurred. Um, that's really, that's the journey I think that you wanted us to talk about. I've, I've got the crazy sideways stories, but um, I, I believe that's where we're going to focus today. And so, yeah, when I was 19, um, my twin sister had dated a, a guy all through high school. We called them. They were in love. High school in love anyways. But he was a really cool, cool guy who had a super cool best friend. And when you're twins, I don't know if we've got twins. It seems like I draw twins. So probably two-thirds of your podcast listeners are going to be twins by accident. <laughs> Sorry, Amanda. But... <laughs> Um, so when you're twins, you get to know that your friends become their friends and everybody's friends work together. So over the years of her dating, the love of her life, I got to be best friends with his best friend because it was kind of weirdly double dating, oddly enough, even though him and I were friends. But um, the 17th of February in 1994, I got a, a late night phone call around well, I was, I was the ripe old age of 19, so 3 a.m. wasn't that late in those days, but at 3 a.m. On a, on a Wednesday night, I got a phone call um, from a young lady who lived where I grew up, and she said, it's, it's Rudy and Whitey, that was the name, the nicknames of these two young guys. Um, there's been an accident, and I'm not ashamed to tell you, you said nothing was off limits, so I'll tell you, I'd been out partying that night, I'd come home from the bar, three sheets to the wind with a bunch of, with my sister, and and this phone call came, there's been an accident and Rudy and Righty hit a, hit a train. And I said, oh my God, like that doesn't sound good for anybody. What hospital are they in? Cause at that time, my sister and I are in Edmonton at, at university. So I figure they're calling us cause we're the closest to the Edmonton hospital where our dear friends are gonna need support. So what hospital are they in? And my friend from home says, they're not in a hospital. And I said, well, that's ridiculous. You hit a train, you should get into a hospital, I think. 
and it was at that point that it got through to me that they were they had passed mm. so that was a, it was a pretty tough night at the age of 19 and coming from small town Alberta where I hadn't even been to grandparent funerals at that point I had all my grandparents alive I had I had no aging relatives that had passed I'd had no no experience with funerals in any yeah. way and uh, there it was in my backyard and my twin sister of course took it horribly that was the love of her life was crushed and um, that was my first journey through grief and it was a, a really wild ride um, a sidebar along to that is two nights before my boyfriend of five years had decided that we should should part ways <laughs> and so I was kind of in a mode of you know when you're 19 and you get dumped by your high school love everything the world sucks anyways and now this is put it on top and and of course he's best friends with us so we have this wildly connected group that has just been ripped into pieces yeah in a small town everybody is family right? right right so yeah so for example that they're in our graduating class of 45 and minus two in, yeah. in 12 minutes right and <laughs> and not to mention all the the interconnected grief that we, we find amongst us so so that is, that's the beginning there. And that was at 19 in, in February. Almost, we're almost coming in the anniversary of February 17th of 1994. Um, getting through those next days at the funerals was really difficult. Yes. And then um, in a selfish way, the months that passed became even weirdly more difficult on my journey because as my sister was the one who had dated Rudy, um, everyone looked to her to check on her to see how she was doing, and and me as well. I of course was concerned with her well-being, um, but it, it was always an afterthought, and nobody really put those pieces together that those two guys were as much part of my life as they were hers at that point. So yeah. it would, when when my grief would surface, which I don't, if your listeners, I would guess a lot of them have been through this. You understand that that grief is one of those wonderful things that doesn't tell you it's about to arrive. It just shows up on Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. when you're about to give a big presentation or at 10 o'clock at night when you're at your best friend's wedding and you should be happy. All of a sudden you're under a table crying. Yeah. yeah. Those are real things that have happened to me. Absolutely. So, yeah. So that was, that was the first, the first problem. Those two went down and it, uh, yeah, it caused a lot of issues. And so for the, the following six months, there was a lot of, a lot of work and a lot of growth. And, um, you know, you, you deal with the, the families that are left behind, which are in, you know, people, it's worse for the ones that are left behind. Those who are gone, they don't, they're not suffering. They're gone. Exactly. Exactly. It, it's seeing, seeing these boys, moms and dads and siblings around town and, and not knowing if they're going to break. Right. So you're putting on that. I'm not going to break. Are you going to break face? And we all pretend we're not going to break. We all right. inside we're all are strong. Just, yeah. We're all like, I don't need to cry. You cry. I'm not crying. <laughs> so, yeah. So that was the first one. Um, and then about less than a year later, um, another young man that we were close with in high school um, hit, got hit by a train in my hometown. Oh, <laughs> so my gosh. We lost three to trains in less than a year. And um, again, that was another, that was a tough one. And it, at that point, less than a year later, I'm, I'm at the a situation where I'm like, screw it. I guess that's just how this world's gonna work. Like, I'm just gonna go from 
you know, just thinking you're digging yourself out of, out of that hole at some point into being thrown back into it. And, Mm -hmm. and you kind of sit in it for a while and you give yourself the woe is me speech of life's just going to kick me. There's no sense worrying about it. You know, I'm just going to get shit on and that's the way it's going to be. So that was January of 95 that that happened. And uh, yeah, that sucked. That was a, that was a long process in itself. So that's three. <laughs> yeah, and, that's uh, really big, right? Three you know, home. And, and it's all, again, it's all that same friend group, that core high school group, those 45 people. This guy was two years older than us, but when you go to a high school that's less than 200 people, two years older, same age, you're all in the same, you yeah. know, everybody's name, you know, everybody's family, everybody's brothers and sisters and parents. And, you know, they, they know everything about you too. So maybe some of those secrets went to the grave. Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> Oh, you, you know, as you're talking, that's, um, it resonates so deeply with me because a small town girl as well, mm-hmm. I have a story that's so similar to yours. We lost two in February of 95, mm-hmm. extremely dear, dear friends. And then a year later lost another and literally at the exact same location on the highway, just outside of town. It's crazy. And And I I can relate to that. And I feel into your story because like it rocks the entire community. There's not one person that goes unscathed. Like you can't even find a hall big enough to have a service. Exactly. Because every single person is grieving so deeply. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially, and, and I never would ever judge one death worse or better than another, but it seems when you deal with youth, it's just, it's that much it seems to resonate differently, right? It, it, yeah. it grabs a different part of your heart. Like totally. all death is, 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 takes a grip on you. But I find in my, now in years and years of getting to do this, I've, I've found a different place of grieving elderly people or people who have been fighting illness mm-hmm. versus those people that you were having a beer with an hour ago and now you're talking to the cops to identify you know, bodies and things like that. And it it just, it has its own special place, I think. Yeah, it absolutely does. And like you said, for the parents, the hardest part is to walk down the street and see these parents whose worlds have been ripped. Mm -hmm. And like you said, like, that's not supposed to be the way life happens. The children Mm -hmm. never go before the parents, let alone the grandparents, right? Mm -hmm. And then sometimes there's even greats still involved, depending on the age. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very great tragedy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that already started to alter your life and your perspective. on Absolutely. So that's, you know, that's age 19 now, 1920. And um, I, I don't know how this ever happened, but my twin sister whose heart had been ripped from her chest when Rudy died, fell in love in the spring of 95. She found the man of her dreams and knew in three days that they were going to be forever and married. And until two months ago, I thought she'd lost her freaking mind until I experienced the same thing. I'm like, I get it. Okay, this happens. I didn't know. Yeah. Well, she had such a big void to fill, right? And and her awakening would have been so sudden and, and, and a reality of like, look at life is so short. Like if you know, you feel it, then trust it. Yeah. She, I, I think of that often on those days when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do as far as living. And I, and I do, I think of that Amanda, because like you said, she, she got reality checked and realized that you can't bicker over small shit. You gotta, you gotta grab love or 
or life or happiness and take that yeah. and, and get at it. You don't get to say, oh, let's think about this for a few months and decide if this is a good idea or not. If it's, if you feel something, you, you, you act. You yeah. do it. She, and she caught it way faster than I did. I, it took the next set of tragedies for me to get that, to, to really understand it. And um, so, yeah, the next, do you want me to keep going? Like, are, are your listeners tuned out by now going, this is too sad. I don't want to listen to oh, this shit. Oh, no, no, no. There, we, we need to continue. Your story continues. Yeah. My story continues. So, yeah. So, uh, happily enough, she, um, yeah, she falls in love. She gets engaged to this young man a couple years younger than her even, but they're madly in love. And I'm not a big fan of it because there's no, like I said, no way you fall in love in three days. I Being my 20-year-old pighead itself, not possible, but she she is who she is, right? And and on the outside, we are, it's always a different window looking in, right? Yes. We, we are more protective of them and thinking, well, you're still grieving. You don't know what you're doing. Like we have all these ideas around their life. Yes. Forgetting we, set that. we set that, well, you can't be ready for this. You haven't uh-huh. even dated anybody. And now you're, you're going from dead boyfriend to I'm in love. Like, yes. It, yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a bar that you, nobody can set. Yeah. And, and you want to protect right. her. You've seen her shattered and broken and you're like, yeah. wait a minute, wait a minute. Your heart is fragile. Don't go there. Yeah. Yeah. So Thank you. You're making me feel better about being yes than I was to her about many things. But. No, no, you are a protective sister. And, and as twins, as I understand, I'm not a twin myself, but it, it affects you. So as, as she, not only did you lose a dear friend, but it was her significant other. And so you felt it from your own perspective, but you felt it as a ripple effect through your sister too. Yeah. So it was a double impact as much as you say, like you're, your grief was set aside, you were living it with her as well as your own. Like that's, that's compounded. It's Mm -hmm. big. It was interesting. It was an interesting year and a half for sure. Absolutely. But, but regardless, she fell in love and now happy for her. That was wonderful. And that, that was a great, great time in her life. Um, And then, and then came 1996. (laughs) And then, things went really downhill as, as bad as they were, (laughs) they actually got worse. If you could imagine. Um, I'm, and I'm sorry, again, people are like, this lady's talking about all of her friends dying and giggling. Guess what? We all grieve differently. I'm a giggler. Okay. If you, if you get me to the point in this podcast where I quit giggling, you're all in big trouble. Cause I'm, (laughs) I'm really, I'm going to be really deep in that point. You're probably not, none of you are going to get off the floor from your own emotions at that point. So as long as I'm giggling, you're all still good. I want you to know that, but. So in 1996, the end of February, um, another really, really close friend of mine from high school uh, had gone to the United States to play hockey. He was a real talented athlete, young, a younger guy, again, a couple years younger than me. And so I hadn't seen him for a while, maybe four months or five months, because he'd gone, gone away to play hockey. And, and we got a call the end of February, last week of February, that... Um, they had found his body in his truck dead in the United States. And there's still a lot of controversy about what happened. I don't, I'm not going to speculate or say, but regardless, we lost another friend. Wow. So, and it just so happened to be her now fiance's best friend. So now we're all spider webbed again. So, so the fiance has got massive grief now to deal with from his best friend. And my sister is trying to help 
her love deal with him and I'm dealing with another friend and all of this again while my sister and I are in Edmonton so we're 180 kilometers away from home from the people in the midst of this grief um, and uh, yeah so we're going home to a funeral on March 1st 1996 uh, so we jumped in the car my sister and I to go to this funeral and and it was in like a lion. So welcome March 1st. We were getting blizzard and blowing snow and the grossest March 1st we'd seen in years. But hey, we're just going to be out like a lamb. Yay, wonderful. In you know? <laughs> Alberta style. Yeah, we're 20 years old, invincible. We got winter tires. The world's easy peasy. Get dressed. Let's go. Yeah. So off we go home to the funeral. And uh, again, you can't find a hall big enough for these funerals. Right. So they're in, they're in the local town hall. There's a thousand people there. Um, and parking for a thousand, there is not on Main Street, Killam. <laughs> yes. Tell you that, okay? <laughs> Which oddly plays into this story, sadly enough. But we go to the funeral. She goes with her fiance because he was needing her more than anything. I went with my boyfriend, which now it happens to be the guy from high school. We're back together again yeah. for the last six months. <laughs> Hello, welcome to Small Town, Alberta. Have you met me? Okay. <laughs> So we go separately to the funeral, which is a bit odd considering, you know, the emotional connection we are for each other, but we definitely, we went separately regardless. So after the funeral, we were supposed to go back to Edmonton that evening for our, another dear friend's 21st birthday party. So the plan is we grieve during the day, we get in the car, we head back to Edmonton, we party at night, we all get, you know, and it's, it's one of those moments that youth, when you go through youthful grief and youthful death, kids get together and yeah. each other typically through beers and shots and hugs and memories and story, right like yeah. in a way I think that teenagers know how to grieve way better than adults do I agree wholeheartedly absolutely it's a celebration then celebration. celebration yeah you don't there's very few times that I've been involved where it's sit around and woe is me and and bad 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 as much as here's to Charlie Sue and Lucky yeah. Kate and let's do it for them and and it, it it's kind of an empowering, weird, I'm, man, I'd be surprised if anybody listens past this point. <laughs> oh, I relate wholeheartedly. That's exactly what we did, Christy. I feel you 100% in that. Yeah. It yeah. resonates totally with me. And it yeah. felt right. There was nothing that felt wrong about getting together with a group of friends and literally grieving together. You're stronger together. Yeah, a thousand percent. And I, and I really do think teenagers and young adults really actually do it really well or they did in our day 20 years ago yes <laughs> I don't know if they still do well I do know they still do unfortunately I've seen that in the last few years too but regardless the end of this funeral comes and I meet her and her fiance at the front door and I asked her where she parked our car we shared a car because we're twins <laughs> so I want to know where the car is parked so that I can I had something I needed to go but I'm headed back to the city with my boyfriend to this birthday party and she goes, oh, I'm two or three blocks down here and there. And I, I'm an ass. So I become an ass to her. And I yelled and cussed, not yelled, but I was like, well, that's freaking blah, blah, stupid. Why wouldn't you just blah, blah, and just a rude bitch to my sister. Because she's my sister. Well, of course, that's what sisters do. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, that's dumb as you could have done, right? So that, um, not to give away the ending, but I'm going to give away the ending. Those are the last words I said to my twin sister in life was, that's the stupidest place you could have parked the car. And um, those words, those words break me quite often when, when life gets tough, those are the words I hear in my head 
And if people walk away with something that they can take away from this conversation with you and I is don't let those kind of words be the words that resonate in your head. If you have, if you have the power to say something not, where did you park the car? You should do that. <laughs> always. You should always choose to say something else. Even if it starts with, where did you park the car? It should finish with, love you, drive safe. Or love you, talk in the morning. Or, you know I love you, you're stupid. But <laughs> it should never, if you, if you care about these people, you should never end that with that kind of, because I'm a pretty strong and, and strong-willed person and positive atmosphere. But like I said, you want to break me, you'll bring up those words and, and yeah. they'll do this to me. Quickly. Yeah. That's a powerful lesson for all of us listening. Thank and it's simple. It's a, it's a simple task. Even, even through the people you are incredibly frustrated with and angry with and even maybe got a little bit of hatred going on. It's a simple task to say, have a nice day. Yeah. To say, I hope tomorrow's better or I hope your evening improves or, or anything mm -hmm. just to finish it. And, and I get those kind of comments from strangers I meet or people that see me at the grocery store or the drugstore and I give them the, a positive goodbye even after an unpleasant interaction. And they're like, how, how do you stay so positive? And it's, it's all I can hear in my head is, is the last words that I spoke that day. And that's how I can stay so positive because it's so easy to do now that I know the results. Hey, I gave away the ending. Son of a gun. <laughs> So anyways, March is in like a lion and we're all headed another 180 kilometers back to Edmonton for the evening celebrations. Me with my boyfriend and a couple, another couple, and her with her boyfriend in a separate car. And we stopped in Camrose for a bite to eat and I had an incredibly odd feeling come through my body that night at, while we sat in Camrose eating about, it's a weird feeling. And I thought, well, it's grief and it's a strange day and that's how that is. And come to find out that's what that's how you feel when your twins dying is there's a, a strange feeling that that will pass through your body and if, if you're in the same situation or similar that I was in you you might have experienced that so I hope you understand what I'm saying but so at the time did you were you like I'm just not feeling like I'm feeling off did you I, I just felt off. I felt really off. Like in amongst, there was four of us in the car that day and like, like my boyfriend and another couple and his girlfriend. And, and sometimes I'm a bit loud, obnoxious and kind of semi life of the party. Kind of like you, Amanda, if people yeah. remember, you know, like you're a lot tamer than when we first met, but yes, we don't tend to be the quiet people in a room. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I just, I had nothing to say and I was, I was in my mind that there, this is a weird, and I knew that it was a weird, it was feeling I didn't know what it was. I couldn't place it. Of course, it. your twin had never died before. Yeah, because I, now I've been through four deaths of young people, and I, I knew the feelings that I was getting from those days, and this yeah. was different. This was a weird, and, but, and this is like eight o'clock at night. Um, didn't think much of it, pretty excited to get on to the birthday party. So off we go to the birthday party. I got to the birthday party, again, not the wallflower, but kind of in the middle of the party. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Friday night um, and about 10.30 at night the party changed moods and uh, half an hour before that I called my our apartment that my sister and I shared in Edmonton and I left a really nasty message on our machine because I thought that I was looking for her at the party her and her boyfriend were supposed to be at the party they right. were not there at 10.30 at night and I assumed they'd gone to our apartment 
to diddle daddle. And I was, <laughs> I'm like, you don't need a diddle daddle. This is a great party. Get your ass over here. You can diddle daddle tomorrow. Blah, blah. <laughs> you know what diddle daddle means? Really clean, except for the language. I keep the rest of it up to your imagination. So uh, I left a nasty, nasty message on our answering machine because that was 1996 so we didn't have voicemail we had answering machines of course yeah right so that's the 10 30 at night answering machine messages get your ass to the party you crazy lady and it wasn't long after that the whole party went different it went people started disappearing from the midst of the the social the rooms like it was a, a whole house party so there was a lot of places to be but you know, I was talking to people and all of a sudden somebody would come by and my friends would disappear and they wouldn't come back. And I'd be like, what have I said? Is there something in my teeth? Like what's going on? Right. Yeah. And I went, um, I went upstairs a few minutes later and I found my boyfriend who is a very, was at the time a very macho tough guy who had sadly lost his brother when he was 14. Mm. He's been up and down this road of grief alongside me for these young people as well as ahead of that for his brother. And they turned him into a real macho kind of guy. Nothing could make break this guy. There was no, no emotions to be shown, but he's standing, he's in the bathroom with the door open, crying into a towel. Um, on my way to find him, <laughs> a girlfriend of mine from the small town I grew up in, in Alliance approached me and she says, you've got to take Chris, this is her boyfriend. You have got to take Chris home to kill him right now. And I went, I have to take Chris home to kill him. I can't freaking drive. Like, this is a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> we have not thought this out. She's like, no, no, we got your driver, but he needs you to go with him to kill him right now. Oh. And my initial thought, um, because nothing can happen to me. I've been through hell and back for the last year and a half. My close friends have died. My sister moved on with life. The world's crazy around me. I'm done with this, right? All good things from now on are, is my thought. <laughs> yeah. And um, so she's bound and determined I'm taking her boyfriend home. And my only thought at that point is his mom had been diagnosed with stage four breast cancer at the time. And my first thought was, and it's his birthday. This is his birthday party. And now he's going home to kill him from his birthday party. And my first thought was, dear Lord, his mother has just passed and I got to, I have to step this up. So I did. So I, when I went into the bathroom, when I finally found my boyfriend, cause now I'm on the search to tell him I've got to leave this party. And I find him in the bathroom crying into a towel and there's these people up stairwells and in closets and they're all white faced and oh. crying. And when I found my boyfriend, he couldn't even look me in the eyes. And I said, I got to go. I got Tara thinks I got to take Chris home. And, and he's like, yeah, you got to take Chris home. And I said, I, I, no, like I, I understand like this, you want me here. And we had plans for the next day. And I said, I don't have to, I'm pretty sure that somebody else can take him. He says, no, you got to tell I'm like, so what is like, what's happened here? Is Cindy okay? What's going on? And, and he says, you just get in that car. You got to go with Chris. Uh. Okay. So here's me, three sheets to the wind, completely oblivious, but feeling like I'm the hero. I'm going to save my buddy. I'm going to be his rock, okay? Like, we're going to get home if we have to walk through this blizzard. So lucky for us, a, another close... <laughs> Gee, do I have... I don't have many friends, but... <laughs> you know? In a small town, they're all close. I That's right. So yeah. I think with saying close, right? Another friend yeah. 
she is going to get us home. So she gets us across town to her friend who's not at the party. So we have a good driver finally. So now there's four of us in this car going the 180 kilometer drive back to kill him for the third time that day. Wow. Um, now it's midnight. By the time everybody got their poop in a group, it's midnight. We're headed home and, and Chris put his head in my lap and just went silent. And so I, just being a friend, just holding his hand, trying to, you know, I don't know whether to say what's going on. He's not giving me information. And is my Chris friend, a dear friend? Like why Chris? Yeah. Chris was my boyfriend's best friend and also Dinah's best friend. And Dinah's my sister. Right. Um, honestly, probably one of my best friends in high school. Yeah. Okay. So that's why he was the chosen one to hold space for you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He is, he is probably the only one that could have pulled off what he pulled off in the next two hours of not telling me what had happened until I could get to a place where, ah, I just need a second. This, this is a tough part. Okay. So we got in that car at midnight. So this is about now three hours after everybody at that party knew what had happened. They had known that my sister and her fiance were killed in a car crash. At that time, while I was sitting in cameras thinking the world had kind of changed. That was the time of the accident. So everybody at that party knew that for three hours and they were given strict instructions not to inform me in Edmonton. <laughs> and I got that kind of friends that 55 half drunk people were able to keep their mouths shut. And, wow. and I feel every day for my girlfriend who, who was in that car with me she, in the front seat. She was a, a volleyball player. I love dearly still have deep connection with her. And she kept me talking all the way home and never gave me a, a clue what was going on. We talked about getting the girls back together to play volleyball together the next year, including my sister, because she was one of the superstars of the team. Um, and she talked, to me, she talked to me as though it was the day before, <laughs> like nothing had changed. And she was amazing. Bless the people, her heart. The things that happened that night, I still look and I go, that's, that's where growing up in a small town is a blessing. Mm -hmm. you, get, you get that kind of support and friendship when you need it. Yeah. And, and at some, there, the initial points, I had a lot of anger to those 55 people who kept me in the dark for three yeah, hours. Of course, because you know, part of the like, grieving process. Mm -hmm. like, how the hell could you guys do this to me? But, and miraculously, through many conniving moves on Chris and, and Joanna, my friends, their across town, back town modes, half that party had actually beat me home to kill him that night to be at Chris's parents' house when we arrived. When, when I got to Chris, Chris's house in Killam, we pulled up in the driveway and I got out of the car with him and, um, Right behind me came a vehicle that pulled in at now it's like 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning in Killam, which is a 40 minute drive from my family farm. And a vehicle pulls up behind us as I got out of the car. And it's my dad's best friend from Alliance. And I see now it's my mom and my dad as well. Oh. And I went, holy shit, this is bad. What are you guys doing here? Like, uh, you know, it's going to be okay. I've been through this death thing lots. I can help my friends deal with this. I'm yeah. well equipped now at the ripe old age of 20, I guess. <laughs> and at, at that point, my dad is by my side. And 
and Chris and Joanna and Brant, the three in the car with me, are not anywhere to be found. I kind of looked around and it's me and my mom and dad and and even their friend is now gone. But my dad said, it's Dinah. And I went, it's Dinah. We lost, we lost her, hun. And I said, what, what do you mean we lost her? He goes, we lost her. And I said, well, shit, let's, I know where she's at. Let's go off. <sighs> There's only like six places we party around here. Like, let's. Keeping in mind that I, I was winning the shooter contest that night. Right. So yeah. there's a part of me that's still, and I don't, I don't feel shame in telling you that. I'm a 20-year-old person of that course. through all sorts of things and trying to celebrate a guy's 21st birthday, all of these good things. But that was his statement. We lost her, and my solution was we should go find her. Yes. <laughs> and it took a few moments. It felt like three hours for that statement to make sense in my head that she was not in another block in that town she was in another life and gone and at that point um we were in a snowbank my dad and i and i to this day don't know if he fell or i fell or i pushed or he pushed or <laughs> whatever it was we we're now in the snowbank in deep disbelief and now mom's on now there's three of us in a snowbank <laughs> mm. and my big brother is at home at the farm in alliance because somebody should be there. It's calving season. I don't know. That's what farmers do, right? <laughs> and um, so now it's making sense to me. And now I'm, I don't know, four or five minutes into the news. And all I could think about is where the hell is Craig? Like, we have got to get a hold of Craig and let him know and support him. Her fiance. We, yeah, her fiance. We have got to find Craig. And I said, Craig, we got to find Craig. And mom said, he's gone too. And I, I didn't know, I didn't know what to, at that point, the world just, just, it, it I want to say it stopped turning, but it kept turning. It just kind of went the other way. Yeah. You know, it's like, you ever tried to stop a top and like spin it the other way? There's like this huge momentum of, whoa, what you doing there, big guy, you know? And um, that was, that was how that happened for probably eight or 10 minutes of my life. Mm -hmm. at that point it's cold and now we're wet because we've been in a snowbank at three in the morning <laughs> so we're going into Chris's parents house and we walk in the door and I will never in my lifetime forget that scene of looking in that they had a big porch and those stairs up into the kitchen and stairs down into the basement when I walked into that porch at 3 30 in the morning there was a row of people going up the stairs and going down the stairs. The, like I said, half of those 50 people from Edmonton beat us home into that house before I got there. Wow. Yeah. So that support was immense at that time. And yeah. needed, so necessary. And needed. And, and needed. Yeah, so that journey, that was an interesting journey, an interesting evening. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of, a lot of healing to happen from that, unless you're me, in which case you skip that part for about 20 years. Yeah. You, you, uh, I spent a lot of time watching my parents and keeping watch on the people that Dinah had taken care of when Rudy and Whitey passed, including Rudy's parents. Um, I spent a lot of time selfishly maybe telling people that I was good, that I was fine that it was okay. And, and when I say a lot of time, I mean like up until about 
November of this year. So 24 plus years, almost 25. You just held on to it that long. Just, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. And I found out one day in California, I'm not okay. <laughs> We're near freaking okay. I'm like an inch from being way not okay. <laughs> yeah. And that's, uh, that's what happens. We can convince ourselves of that because we have this ridiculous ability to suppress. Mm-hmm. And as long as we can keep it tucked away, we can be okay. Mm-hmm. It's two letters and they are the heaviest and most profound, powerful, dangerous letters that the human, the human soul can hold on to. And they're, and they're so easy to use. Yeah. You know, like if you, you talk to anybody who's got trauma going on right now and I'm January has been tough in, in two days, Chris's dad died of an unexpected heart attack. And the day before he died of an unexpected heart attack, my childhood best friend, Dinah's best friend's mother, passed away of um, quick and instant liver failure. Just this January? Yeah, like two weeks ago. Yeah. (laughs) And I hugged them all and I went there and I was with them and asked them, how are you? And you know what they said, Amanda? They're okay. (laughs) And it, it scares me a little when I hear them say it. Isn't that the truth? Mm-hmm. And it's but a journey to anything else either. Like for me to stand in front of them 10 days ago and say, you're not okay. You can't be okay. That's, they don't want to hear that. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't, no. you don't know that you're not okay till you know that you're not okay. Exactly. Until being okay is not enough. Mm-hmm. Until you're pushed beyond the limits of what is okay. Because what is okay for you, okay, is a different for someone else, okay. Mm-hmm. And maybe in that exact moment, because they're not on their knees and weeping from their soul, they're okay. Mm-hmm. But they're not okay to the degree of where they're okay used to be before this rocked their world. Right. You're right. That's it. And you never get you never get back to that set point. We, I work in health and nutrition and we talk about, you know, when a body goes through a weight loss thing, at some point it quits losing weight or it goes back to a certain weight. That's your set point. That's where your body's comfortable. And it's the same in this sort of thing. Like you never get back to that set point. No. Where life, where life was, you know, the shitty things that happened in life is that you missed an episode of Grey's Anatomy or, you know, the bill came in twice as big as you thought it was going to be or your boyfriend cheated on you, those things. You know what? Those things don't mean shit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, for all the drama and trauma we think we've been through. Isn't um, that the truth? Yeah. They, you know, they, they mean things, but they don't, when, when you realize that the last word you'll say to your soulmate and your dearest friend on earth is, well, why'd you park over there? <laughs> Those things mean something. Yeah. I, you know, I get conversations with my friends when I tell them this, and they say, you know that that didn't matter. She, she knew you loved her. Yeah, sure she did. But, but I'm the one who's going to live to 107 and always hear those words. Carry that with you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and maybe that's a selfish way to think, but if I can, if that stupid story I tell once in a while can make somebody turn around after the fight and say, I love you, you dork, and then walk out, then yay. Absolutely. I wholeheartedly agree. That's wholeheartedly. I'm not saying we got to love the world high and low all the time. Just 
Oh, you can still be pissed off at someone and still love them. Yeah. And it's okay. You know, I think of that often if I'm in an argument with my husband on the phone, it's still, I love you. Yeah. You know, like it's still an ending to, uh, you need to know how much I love you right now. I hate your guts and you really pissed me off and you crossed a line, but at a soul level, I love you and know that. Mm -hmm. And not saying it and then down the road somewhere saying, well, you knew that that's a BS conversation. Mm-hmm. That's adults should never, you should never have to say something to somebody. You knew that. Exactly. You got you to explain that. They didn't know. Yeah. They did to not speak the truth. They did not freaking know. Okay. Like, yeah. I, I don't know anybody that would make you, you know, confess an emotion or ask for a, a something if they already knew that about you, mm-hmm. you know, just not built that way. So, yeah. yeah. So, your journey from there, obviously, like you said, you just got used to saying, okay. And you learned to just carry on because you were strong and you took a big shift into the fitness industry mm-hmm. and you grew through that and, and a phenomenal journey. You've been leading so many. So what happened in California most recently? What was your pivotal moment? Ooh, this is a good story. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I went to California with a friend of mine I met through the fitness industry um, to go to a self-development course. Part of this, the fitness and health world is, of course, self-development, which is really how you and I connected. We, mm-hmm. you know, we connected briefly, randomly, but then again, last March at that conference, you know, with Lori Harder's. Yes. Group. So I'm a big fan of Lori Harder, as I think you are as well. Absolutely. And your husband, Chris, as far as their mindset coaching and, and they're brilliant business people. So I had um, the lady I was actually at Bliss with last year, she took a a course through them, which allowed her to go to this in-person event in November with a guest. Well, her husband ended up having other commitments that weekend. So she called me in August and said, do you want to go to this thing in November with the Harders? I've got a ticket. And I went, sure. I didn't know what it was, but I'm like, (laughs) November, California, Alberta. Yeah, I'm going to California. A win, okay? I don't know what we're studying or what we're going to learn. Let's go to California. So I kind of jumped on that. And again, I, and then um, September of this year, um, things happened between my recent boyfriend of six years. Um, we'd been together six, six years. Yeah. And he had two young children who I grew really attached to. And, and I thought we were building um, a, a permanent relationship. And as things happen, we don't always get what we think we're getting. And come September, it became obvious that I was a little more invested in that relationship than he ever was. And so we decided to go separate ways, which was not a death. Yeah, <laughs> I'm celebrating that everybody lived through that, except for my poor broken heart, took a pretty hard hit. Um, and it felt like grief all over again. And this time I dealt with it by becoming a 20 year old again and sowing all my wild oats and probably dated too many people, um, kind of randomly lost from September to November. Like just literally my entire life changed. I picked up and moved to Edmonton for a a job, which I never said I would never do. Changed, jumped out of the fitness industry and went back to an an older career, essentially. I mean, always dabble in the fitness thing, but I I just decided I can't just break up with a guy. I want to change my entire life at one time. So I did all of that for two months. And then luckily the job ended and I got to come home to small town Alberta again. <laughs> but all the while, desperately craving deep, loving connection. Deep, 
deep loving connection. I had met a ton of awesome energy, fun people to hang out with that I ended up probably too late at night out at, in bars partying and having fun and stay in surface happy. I'm okay. Uh, I'm okay until Sunday night in the dark and the tears would roll of, I am not okay. Why can't I find what I'm craving for deep connection? And, and my business, my health business was suffering and uh, I just was lost. And this freaking conference is coming up in California in November. So I'm, I'm ready. Like whatever the harders are about to do, I'm ready. Bring it on. I don't know if I'm getting a love lesson or a soul lesson or how to manage money, but whatever it is, front row, front row, those things. I'm the one in the back who's closest to leaving for the bathroom. But my connection says, are we good still? Yeah. Yeah. I can still see it. It just kind of broke up and it came back. Okay. Yeah. So I, so here I am now on my way to, uh, to California and a friend of mine had reached out. Well, we we're friends. So we, We've always been close and connected. He, he lived next door to me 20 years ago and then moved across town and then we moved across town next door to him and onwards and onwards, friends forever. And uh, we've recently just been chatting because I'm talking to people because yeah. that's who I am now. Well, I'm a people person, right? And um, turns out he's single and I'm single and I'm thinking, I have to go to a wedding in Hawaii and he's a lot of fun and we should go to a wedding in Hawaii together. And he goes, yeah. And I went, what? You're not supposed to say yes to that. <laughs> but he did. And then I'm like, that's retarded. We're not going to a wedding together as friends. So we canceled that, but I got on a plane the next day to go to this thing in California. And at the same time, I, you know, I had, a, I was dating another nice guy. And cause now that I'm 44, I figure I should date like I'm 20. That makes sense, right? Considering I've never been single, honestly, since I was 14. I had always either been married to my high school sweetheart or I went from that into that six-year relationship. So now that I'm old, I'm going to learn how to be single. Right. Okay. So I get to California and on day one, I lose my mind. First thing in the morning, I grow this huge complex of anxiety and you're going to say you don't have anxiety and guess what all of us loud people in the middle of the party people a lot of us have anxiety okay yeah, cover up yeah it's definitely you know like it's a distraction uh, from don't look at me i'm not anxious i'm just yeah, happy it, yeah so so i'm that person i'm that person that's going to be the, the first one talking and smiling and giggling and inside going don't puke don't puke don't puke on this stranger right mm-hmm. so that's me i'm freaking out and Considering I've started chit-chatting with this dear friend of mine, I sent him a message. I'm like, I'm freaking out. And, and he instantly responds with some really reassuring and kind words. I'm like, no, that's the kind of friend a person needs, right? It's wonderful. First exercise of the day, um, my good friend, who is a keener, decides we do need to sit in the front row of the room. Thank you. So now I'm sitting front row in a room full of 75 people. I don't know. And of course, I don't know what we're doing. So... <laughs> These are three strikes I feel like I've just hit, okay? And it's actually the universe in perfect alignment going, guess what we got, girl? The universe just said, this is your chair for your magic right here today. So in we went to the course, and the first exercise is a close your eyes and see yourself one year from today in the exact person that you're going to be. Whatever it is, they didn't care if we wanted to talk about our business sense, our money, our soul, our love life, whatever. And here I am not knowing what the heck I want anyways. I'm in the midst of life undone. 
and I close my eyes. I play, when I go to these things, I'm in. I'm, yes. they, if they tell me that I should put the red polka dots on my face, I'm putting on red polka dots and seeing if that does it, right? right. So because you've learned eyes. to live life. You've learned yeah. this is your opportunity. That's right. I could have, you know, I could have told my friend, I'm going to sit back here near the bathroom in the coffee pot and you uh -huh. can go do your thing, but she already found me a chair. So I'm, here I am, <laughs> you know, here we are. So I close my eyes and with no expectation of what I might see myself in a year. And the only thing I could see was, um, a beautiful long aisle up to a wedding altar and a guy at the end of it looking at me like I hung his moon and I was everything he'd ever need and this is like a two-minute visualization so now I'm in the middle of a wedding and I'm going up an aisle to a guy I can't figure out who this guy is at the end of the aisle and as they say open your eyes the face appears before me and I, I know damn well who the guy at the end of the aisle is but I'm like that don't make any sense. That's one of my best friends. That don't make any sense. I don't know what's going on here. But. Amazing. And then worse than that, the guy, they say, does anybody want to share what they saw? And me just trying to quietly sit in the front row throws up my head. Me? I do. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Who did that, right? So overcomes the mic. And what can I say except for I saw myself going up the aisle to the love of my life and him being the happiest guy on earth. And by the way, I'm single if anyone's interested. Thank you. Right? <laughs> so that was part one of, of the two and a half day experience. And after that happened, I'm like, well, there really is no turning back. I've just announced my ability to be single to a room full of, like I said, the virtual strangers. Right. Yeah. And um, some of the exercises later on, what do you, what do you need from life? And, and they give you some time to think about it and silence and silence is, that's a pretty magical moment when you don't have somebody looking you in the eyes saying, you'll be okay. You'll be all right. It's okay. We're here for you. Whatever you need. Sometimes what you need is that silence. Go internal. Yes. And just, and, and don't stop yourself when you feel, when you start to see what you need, when you start to yes. see, what you need, you, you got to go all the way. Yeah. You know, you get, got to get to the end of that freaking aisle and, yeah. and then open your eyes and see what's there. And, and so I did. And by the five o'clock in the afternoon exercise, it was what, what hurt you younger. And I, I feel quite blessed except for the beeping that's going on here. So <laughs> sit that down. Um, I feel quite blessed to have grown up with a fantastic family, an amazing supportive parents, awesome brother, my twin. Yeah. Really no childhood trauma. I'm, you know, I, I hear people's childhoods and I'm like, good Lord, I can't even imagine. Mm -hmm. And so I never talk about feeling different as a child until that day I started to realize some of the things that have been inside of me and have been ignored because I, I love my twin sister to the ends of the earth and back again yes. in life in death. When people, I still say I'm a twin. I don't say I, I never say I used to be, I still am a twin. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's who I am part of my spirit and my soul. But what I realized is that in being a twin, there has always been a part of me that I have not been right. That it, uh, and once, once that physical half goes away, mm -hmm. you kind of lose your identity. 
Like there's a part of you that you've never, never looked at even to see who that is. Of course, because there's been a mirror looking back at you that you trust is you. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. Wow. And um, yeah, that mirror, that mirror went away, like you said. And I had to spend some time looking at, at the shit I put myself through. Mm -hmm. And it, and 5.30 came after the exercise and I was crying in front of four complete strangers. These are nice little small breakout groups. And this couple of guys were very nice and gave me a hug and the girl gave me a hug and it's wonderful and I'm okay. I'm okay. Aww. Those are my words. Those are my two words at the end of the day. And I went upstairs to my hotel room with my friend and she went in to curl her hair for dinner. And by the time she came out, I was laying on the floor of a hotel room in absolute and utter sobs, broken, broken sadness. And she had never seen it before. And I felt terrible for her. She goes, Oh, good Lord, TJ, what is wrong? And I'm like, it's okay. This is, this is what I haven't done for 20 years. I just, yeah, it's it's like, yeah. don't step on me, step over me. I'm just gonna, <laughs> just gonna be down here for like five to three hours. I'll, you know, like, it's, yeah. And it was probably the first time since 1996 that I just didn't give a shit. I just cried. Just amazing. Cried. Yeah. That makes me happy. <laughs> I know it's a bizarre thing, but when I have my women's groups and circles and we get together and we share and I say, I make people cry and that fuels me mm-hmm. because like you said, for so often we can fool ourselves and some people will go an entire lifetime, an entire lifetime with being okay. Yeah. And bless your heart. I mean, 20 years is an expanse that you'll never get back, but at the same time, it's not too late. Yeah. I, and I don't know that I regret those 20 years, Amanda, honestly, no, no 20 years not. there was, well, I found out I can do freaking near anything. I can, I can will myself through anything, apparently. Not that I should, yeah. but I can yeah. if required. And it, it gives me hope for a lot of human spirit that, yeah, if you need to, you will. You can. Absolutely. Not that you should. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know what? There's a point to be strong and there's a point to break down. Yeah. I think you chose strong for a really long time. But that's okay because there's no mistakes. There's only lessons and growth. And you've grown so exponentially as a human and as a soul. And just, it's amazing. Just before we even started talking about, you're like, I've got big things on the go. You know, life is shifting because you're allowing this expansion and you're ready for this growth. Yeah. But you wouldn't, <clears throat> wouldn't be there if you didn't do the work and honor the shift that needed to happen within you. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, truthfully, it's the scariest, like, those two days of my life in November were the scariest two days of my life because it was just so out of my character, out of my strong, I can, I'm, I'm okay character. It, yeah. It was, I'm not freaking okay. Hello over here. Right. Right. And you feel like it, like, am I gonna be able to piece myself back together? Mm-hmm. Am I going to somehow pick up and carry on? Because we hold so tight to that trauma that it becomes part of us. Yeah. And it's familiar and it's safe. 
there's more of the story. Do you want to hear it? Yes, I want to hear it. It gets wilder. I don't know how we're doing for time. Are you ready to push the button? Are you good? No, we're not going to give up on this story. You you tell it to fruition, and then we will close it when you're ready. Yeah, that whole weekend, it's it's a life changer. And the day day two of the course happened to be the birthday of my sister's dead fiance. So, so it's a big day. And again, that leaves a little bit of your heart in a, in a weird place, but that was the last day of the seminar and we came home. And then the, the next day, uh, the guy at the end of the aisle in my vision came by for a coffee date. And that was three months ago that we are now fully together. (laughs) But that's not the end of the story. (laughs) Oh, but that's so beautiful in itself. I I said to him, like, this is really weird because you were in the vision and you weren't supposed to be there. He's like, I've been trying to tell you this for months and I just haven't had a time. Like, well, your timing is a lot better today than anyways. Yeah. Anyway, so he left from the coffee date that day at noon and a friend of mine called me an hour later in a panic, completely out of breath, freaking out. She had to see me now okay, you know where I live. So over she comes and she hardly says hello at the front door. She is at my coffee table waving these pieces of paper at me furiously. And I'm like, I don't know what I forgot to pay you for, but I'm sorry. And are we still friends, right? (laughs) I just don't know what's going on. But as it turns out, she's gone to see um, a medium. Oh my goodness. She's been through trauma recently too with her, her father passed unexpectedly a year ago. So she wanted to connect and I don't blame her. Mm-hmm. And I've never had any connection from my sister. I've never had dreams, um, except for the night when she was dying. I've never had, never had, I had actually, sorry, one face-to-face on my 30th birthday. <laughs> she freaking near, like, sat right beside me and, and we conversed. Sound wonky. I'm not wonky, trust me, but that happened. That, that. Oh, that's a beautiful gift. <laughs> you will have to ask Kathy about that one. She was with me and yeah, she'll tell you that that was a weird night, but. So my friend has been to see the medium about her family and has been rudely interrupted by my sister and her fiance <laughs> at her reading. Wow. And I love it. I've had that happen so often than not. It's, it's wild. And so she, like, she knew Craig and Dinah, of course, this right. small town again, but, yeah. but the conversation that Dinah had with her through the medium was unbelievable. For 20 some years, I have, been digging with police and paramedics and coroner's reports to find out the details of how she passed. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And it's morbid, I know, and it's crazy, but it's a part of me that says, you need to know this. Yeah, it's a I missing link. Yeah, I just, I just needed the parts to put together in my own head. And I've, I've had no luck. I talked to the first responders that were there. I've talked to the bystanders that came along and helped. Nobody it was, was a single vehicle me. accident? No, they actually had a head on with friends of ours from high school the other two the other two survived they, oh my they, gosh well they have they live across town from me now and oh my gosh we connected and it's it's an interesting dynamic in general right yeah it was just weather it was just yeah. one of those dumb luck accidents i don't have to tell you about dumb luck accidents right that's right it's, that's why they call them accidents mm-hmm. yeah so the medium conversation one of the first things is um, tell your friend her big sister is here. Um, and she goes, you know who I'm talking about? And, and my friend, uh-huh, I do. She goes, tell her it was instant. There was not, not, I didn't suffer at all. Instant death, instant death. Oh. 
And it just, it broke me uh, again, like on the floor. So now I'm 24 hours out of my first on the floor cry session because I'm finally letting things Yeah, you're feeling. And now my sister is having conversations with my best friends to tell me stuff, right? Yeah, because Um, you're ready. Because I'm open to it. Yeah. And receiving and ready. Mm -hmm. I don't know the right terminology. I'm I'm sure you do and I want to learn it. But so tell her I I didn't suffer. Tell her it was perfect. She says, tell her I see her. And then she says, tell her she's looking good. And I went, "Eh, hell yeah, okay. Whatever. Some of us get excited over dumb things, but um, tell her that she's making a good choice, which is an hour after I just decided to start dating my best friend. (laughs) Okay. That's a good sign. She says, tell her I've been there. She's been low. I see that she's been at her lowest and I, I, I picked her up. I brought her back. I've been there the whole time. She was And this is from a girl who's been silent for 24 years and never said boo to me. <laughs> and then she arrives on the probably the most tumultuous emotional day of my life and just says everything I ever needed to hear. I got you. Yeah. It makes, it makes those struggles and those lonely and those dark times and even those words that I said to her that last moment. I feel like they were all put into action and into a place in the last 20 years for exactly a purpose that that's happening. And even, you know, even my, the way I've gone through, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. has been all part of it. Cause if I, I think if I'd have given into breaking and, and not being okay, that I wouldn't have arrived here ready for, for now. Yeah. Yeah. Such a beautiful perspective you have. Yeah. yeah, I guess. I don't, it's not something I, I, I mean, you can't, oh, this is going to sound bad, but I say shit that sounds bad all the time. See, I just did it. Um, <laughs> you can't, you can't, I don't think you can, you can't learn it. You can't go to a course on it. You can't, you know, you can't pay somebody to teach it to you. It's in your heart or it's out of your heart of how you're going to respond to those things. Yeah. And we, and I know people who have been through good and trade them for anything. You being one of them, Amanda, the, the you know, the path that you've had to, to travel, I would, I would give my eight funerals. Mm-hmm. I would never consider trading the situations that we were in. And I've met countless other people in, in you know, situations that I just think I could never, yeah. but they look at me and say the same. And mm-hmm. one point is that you, you can't, in someone else's situation and you can't guide them on how they're gonna how they're gonna cope yeah i know that the only way i could cope was to to live twice as hard yeah and it was you know it was the morning after they died and journalists i mean as a podcaster you're kind of a journalist but not really because i don't like journalists (laughs) (laughs) i have some opinions because i feel like Sometimes they've taken their heart out of, you know, you watch the Olympics and they ask the question of the guy who just trained day and night for four years and then fell crossing the finish line. How did it feel when you fell down? Are you kidding me? What kind of question is that? Yeah. It felt like my life was passing before my eyes. Are you yeah. kidding me? Ask me the dumb questions. I had a, a lady from the Edmonton Journal called me six hours after I was notified of my twin sister's death and, and asked me how I felt. Hmm. And... Oddly enough, I did not give her a four-letter response. I went to. I took a deep breath and prepared to 
give her the blah 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 yeah and what came out of me came probably directly from Dinah because she was a bit of a poet and honestly all I said to her is like cut off your arm and your leg cut out half of your heart and then just go about everyday life like nothing's happened hmm. and and it was I, I remember saying that clear as day I'll never forget it and I just read an article last week about somebody who had lost a child and it's exactly what they said yeah it, it took me there I'm like geez I thought I was crazy apparently that's how people feel <laughs> you know it is. But, it's a yeah. miss, missing piece right it's just you know and and you can't you just can't guesstimate what people are going to say but yeah I don't know where it's going with that no that's beautiful I think that's beautiful it's kind of bringing us yeah Oh my gosh. I'm so honored to share this space with you and, and hear your heartfelt words. I, I appreciate having um, a place to talk like this. Yeah. Um, I have shared this occasionally with people, but I, it doesn't, I don't usually go this far. <laughs> usually the first three or four deaths and then we move on because that's usually more than enough for anybody. I was going to say it's heavy, right? It's heavy. And then a lot of people are like, wow, that is really heavy. I, um, and for you too, it's a, it's a big territory to enter and to come back from. Yeah. But it, it's, it's cathartic too, Amanda. Like I, I don't think I can give you enough gratitude today to asking me to, to do this because these kind of things are the times when I will grow. Yeah. When there will be more healing. Cause we spend so much time, like I said, being okay, going through every motion that you put these things, like they never go out of your mind. Anybody who tells you that it, you'll be better or you should be better. Don't worry about that. You'll, you'll be what you'll be. Right. And that's absolutely no schedule or plan or attack. You, you're just going to be what you're going to be. But these kind of conversations and I, I am blessed that I have a nice close group of friends that will let me go there when I want to, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, having an opportunity to share with this. Yeah. And I just hope that, that people can understand that shit happens. And, and it's not because you're a bad person. It's not, you didn't deserve it. It's not. And I went through a long period of time. I was raised in United Church. I was raised Christian and, and that's wonderful. I grew out of it as a teenager. I don't know if you can grow out of Christianity, but I guess I did. You find your own path. Yeah. And the truth is with every, every call that somebody else had passed, I, I grew farther away from it. Mm -hmm. in, in an attitude of kind of freaking like obviously I did something to make this guy mad because he doesn't have to keep taking the people that I love right right and just in the last year or year and a half I, I actually had some really good mentors of mine through my health business kind of coach me back into just looking a little deeper at it all and and it's brought me to a way more peaceful place of yeah he did have to do this mm-hmm you know, I don't, I don't get to, I don't get to make the rules. I don't get to say that wasn't fair. Yeah. You know, it wasn't fair, but it was part of, it was part of who I got to be. It's without all of those situations. I'm not me. I'm somebody different. I don't even know who I am. Yeah. I don't know who I would be. Yeah. Oh, such a beautiful perspective. Oh. So I know you've kind of touched on this just to wind up the call, but I just wanted to ask you like, what advice do you have for others, you know, going through something, trauma, you know, we talk about trauma as like a significant event. And I know you and I have these stories that people go, wow, I just can't even relate to, but yeah. 
you know, the definition of trauma as you and I speak, and I, I read your definition here, it's just, it's more about um, a, a circumstance that draws us away from our comfort, rips the foundation of our understanding of life. And it sends, I love your um, explanation of the top, it spins you the opposite way out of control mm -hmm. and puts you into the space where it's unrecognizable. So what advice do you have for someone that is going through an experience or maybe, it, you know, you, 20 years you talk, 20 plus years, like there's no timeline. Mm -hmm. what, what is it that you have to offer? What do you have to say to someone? Well, I, you, you've honestly said the most important thing is that there is no timeline. Mm -hmm. if if it feels like trauma to you you get to decide mm -hmm. and you actually you don't even get to decide <laughs> because yeah. you're gonna you know you're gonna put yourself through the work and, and read the book go to the groups and this and that and you're gonna be like woo 18 months hard work done yay and then wednesday <laughs> wednesday comes along or his favorite song comes on the radio or chocolate chip mint ice cream at midnight happens and it's all back yeah so give yourself, give yourself the power to be wrong, to be broken, to be broken all the time. But on the other hand, don't live waiting for it because mm -hmm. you're not living then. You're just, you're just waiting for death. And, and that's not a fun life. And I got to do, I did that. I did the woe is me on the first two for that year. Yeah. You know? And then once my sister went, I'm like, well, holy shit, you can sit around and feel sorry for yourself as long as you want. That doesn't prevent it. Yeah. That just means you just gave up two years of your life from living. That's you know? beautiful. So it's, you got now, you, you, you know, we could hang up this phone and who knows what happens when, when we get off the call, Amanda, right? Yeah. So absolutely. We, got, we got now. Yeah. So you live now. And if you, and that's, you know, that's, it ties into why on earth people are always laughing at me. What are you doing at the gym at four in the morning? What are you doing there at five? Well, shit, my legs move today. You know, my eyes are open today. Mm -hmm. um, I have the ability to move. I'm going to go do that. Yes. Because tomorrow I might not. And quite fit, like, we didn't go there. <laughs> but yeah. like, literally, I, I am that person that quite possibly might not be able to walk tomorrow. That, yeah. that, my medical condition might just say, no, it's not your day. Today you lay in bed. And you might have um, a shift in that medical condition now that you've given yourself permission to release yeah. what you have been holding so desperately inside of you. Yeah, yeah, a thousand percent. Like it's yeah. so interconnected. Like you, yeah. everyone thinks that a doctor's going to give you a prescription to heal what ails you, but sometimes you, you're your own doctor. You yeah. know, you just yeah. pay attention and, and give yourself room yeah figure it out to, awesome. to, to be, yeah. so tell me where can our listeners find you the best place to connect if they want to reach out to christy and tell us what awesome things you got got on the go or what's going to be released in the near future how they uh, can follow you you don't have to tell us the goodies but tell us how <laughs> they can follow you so that then they can tune into what's happening in christy's world Cool. What I would where where I love to be, oddly enough, is I'm old. I love Facebook, and you can judge me. That's fine. Okay. I love Facebook because I love to get on there, and I, I I'm a fan of video because I am not a fan of still life photography in me, but I like to get on and talk with my hands. Yeah. So if you want to hear me chit chat about life and how to keep going when it sucks, or just tell you about things that don't suck, um, Facebook. 
jump yeah. on Facebook under Christine Towers. And Instagram, I will also entertain you randomly on Instagram at Christy Towers. And I do have what I was talking about earlier with my accountability. I run an online accountability partnership because Lord knows we all need somebody who's not just going to drink wine with us. Somebody who will actually say, I mean, we all need people to drink wine with us. That's how Amanda and I are friends. Also need that person to say, how much wine did you drink? And did you really want to drink that much wine? So, so if you jump on to realaccountabilitypartner.com, that's my uh, online accountability program, um, you can connect with me there. And I would love to be that person that says, you drank too much wine. And then <laughs> we can connect on Facebook where I can say, high five to the wine. Yeah, right? Well, me <laughs> But, but then awesome. it's, it's important to have that. You've got to have people in your life that are going to, you know, keep your feet to the fire and say, you're not okay. Yes. Yeah. Get with and work on you until you really are fine and good and better and not just okay. I love it. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm going to tag all of your locations in the show notes. And so people can hop on and find you. And yeah, again, it was an honor. Thank you so, so, so much. My honor. And thank you. And I can't wait to, to listen to all your future guests and, and all of the, the stuff you bring us every day, Amanda. It keeps me going. I just can't wait to see you show up on my social media feeds. Thanks, Christy. Your journey is, is beyond anything people could imagine. It's only just beginning. I can't wait. <laughs>Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me on another sacred journey on the Unbroken Soul podcast. If this episode resonated with you, do a sister a favor and take a screenshot, tag me and share on your favorite social media platform. Also, your heartfelt words expressed in an iTunes review aid in boosting my ratings and allow other like-minded souls to find me. If you'd like to reach out to me, your messages are always welcome. DM me on Instagram at amanda.joy.77 and I look forward to visiting you on the next Unbroken Soul podcast. I am Amanda Joy.